all those differences among parents and homes have no predictable long-term effects on the personalities of their children. Not to put too fine a point on it, but much of the advice from parenting experts is flapdoodle. Flapdoodle. Joe title. <laughs> if you are a parent, is this a relief or a disappointment? Also, WTF is flapdoodle. <laughs> yes. So first off, I think parents have a huge effect on their children. Let's just not lie about that at all. So he's um, lying. So Steven Pinker is full of flapdoodle. I think he is full of flat doodle. Welcome to episode 189 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Brian Burkoff, Shannon Weston, and Ogan Holder address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be served in one of these fine pub, pub theology pint tumblers. Uh, you can get one of these absolutely free if you donate $25 or more to nokidhungry.org. DM us uh, your proof of proof of donation and we will ship one of these to you for free. Please help all the struggling families who are struggling to find food during this time of the pandemic. That's $25 or more to nokidhungry.org. This week, we'll be talking nature versus nurture, parenting, punching down, and common sense. Hopefully, the punching isn't happening in the parenting. I'm um, saying, like, those are all related. <laughs> those are all perfect topics because we know, listen, we all parents, and we're going to spill the tea. We know it happens. <laughs> oh, so what are we drinking? Brian, what are you, let's start with you. What are you drinking today? Well, uh, I am drinking a No Problems IPA by oh, Perrin Brewing. <laughs> so, you know, life is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly with all the parenting issue questions, life is just say, great. <laughs> what's, what happened between this show and last week that all these parenting <laughs> questions are rolling out now? <laughs> um, oh. I, uh, if you saw my Facebook post earlier this week, I thought I had invented a new drink, but apparently whiskey gingers have been around forever. Forever, honey. Forever. That's my drink. And, and well, I was mine's a bourbon and ginger. but yeah. uh, As I'm packing up to move, I was like, I don't need to pack up this liquor. I'll just like drink it. What can, what can I... When I drink what my go whiskey, wrong? I got exactly right. <laughs> I got some ginger ale. Oh my God, this is great. Did I just invent a new drink? Not so much. Do you put like a little squeeze of lime in? Well, I don't have limes, but in the back of my cupboard, I found some uh, sweet and lime juice. So oh. I'm, I'm going to try a few drops of that today. All right, just a little because it's already but, uh, sweet. No, yeah. bourbons and gingers are... Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey. And of course, uh, Canada Dry, the best ginger ale there is. Gingers go with a lot of things. So, all right, that's what I got. I'm going to make that right now. Um, well, I found in the back of the fridge um, one last new Belgian triple Belgian style ale. Oh, so that's good stuff. It's the good stuff. And it was hidden way in the back. And I was wow. like, I'm going to be taking that one <laughs> before someone else in my house finds it. <laughs> Perfect for a March day when it's really still winter. 
Yes. Although, like, remind me, in a couple of weeks, I want to get some harp and some Guinness and have a black and tan on the show. Yes. Yeah, I mean, right. have one of those turtle things to, you know, keep it separated when you pour. When's Will we a, have a show on St. Patrick's Day? It's like When's the that again? day, it's like the day before. Day before, close enough. Right, exactly. St. Patrick's Eve. When's St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day again? When's that happening? Uh, March 17th. Okay. All right. Will that be and spring And I'm by always then? wearing green. <laughs> so you, I never get pinched because my eyes are green. So I'm always wearing green. There you and, go. Oh my God, I'm turning into my parents. Sorry, that's how I had to read that. <laughs> it's like, what just happened? <laughs> what might prompt mm -hmm. you or your kids to say this? Oh my God, if my kids say that. Ooh. I think the first time I said, because I said so, that was that, was that mm -hmm. moment that I had that, uh, that revelation. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to explain to my kid why I'm asking him to do why I'm saying this and 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 whether you agree with it or not this is what's happening and when the response was like but that's not fair I'm like you are absolutely right but we're the parents and we get right. to see how it goes <laughs> and it story. is not fair <laughs> I don't argue about the fairness I agree and then you that. channel your parents again and say and life isn't fair <laughs> <sighs> yeah um. I think uh when I heard myself uh, respond to one of my kids says, that's so mean, or you're, you're such a mean dad. And, and I'm like, yeah, I am a mean dad. And I'm like, oh my goodness. My mom used to say, yeah, I'm just a mean mom. Oh, really? Like, not in a like nasty way. Yeah, no, no, way. no, no, no. But like, sure, I'll take that. Yeah, that's right. Just sort of like, mean. well, yeah, if you want to call that mean, then I guess it's mean, but I'm being a parent right now. And I'm sorry you perceive that as mean. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> No, when when I when I got the you're so mean, I was like, listen, I don't beat you, so you're. You, I could be a lot meaner. Okay, that's a really low standard, Ogan. <laughs> I don't care. Have you used that? Have you like said that? that? I, have, so... I have said that out loud. <laughs> I have said that out loud. When I was like, you are mean. I was like, listen, I don't beat you, and there are a lot of kids who parents beat them. All right. Okay. I got I got beat as a kid. And I don't pass that on to you. I ended that cycle of violence I, and listen, So you were lucky. <laughs> the, the like, I'm better than my parents bar is so low that like, I try to clear a higher bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listen, pat yourself there, on the back too hard. There's a lot of other things. I'm just saying that's my, that's <laughs> that was the textbook Ugh. response to I was being mean. I was like, you don't know what meanness is. Sure. If, right? That's fair. I, so I get that. I get that. Like you, you, you haven't experienced true meanness from a parent. Exactly. I get you know? Um, I, you, there is so much I avoid. Um, me, for me, this is, um, this is horrible. This is much more of a physical <laughs> aging <laughs> that I say that like, oh my God, I'm like, that's where my dad's gray hair came in or that's where you know like that's where my so-and-so's wrinkles are you know like that I, it's just it's way more about that for me right now you're like i'm um, physically turning into my parents. i'm physically like oh <laughs> like you know it's one of those things yeah. um i don't i just don't like there's just absolutely not a comparison and i i don't mean that all bad i just there's just not um and I, yeah I don't really have, I really did think about this ahead of time. And I was like, I really don't have anything. Um, my sister and I talk about that all the time. The only other thing I'll say, like, again, physically is sometimes I'll say something 
not the words I used, but the way I said it. And I was like, oh my God, that sounded just like my mother, you know, or, and actually I call my sister out on that a lot more. If my sister was on the show and you guys closed your eyes, it would be really hard to tell a difference except for she has more of a Southern accent because she stayed and she's and in Georgia, right? She's in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. So, and my stepsister, Oh my God, you want to talk about her accent. Wow. Oh, buddy. Anyway. Um, yeah, but we, we worked very hard to not ever say that <laughs> phrase. So have you, so have either of you heard your kids say something and you hear you in what they're saying? So that's what happened, Ogan. Now we've got to the root of it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my kids aren't that old, you know, like Maggie would be the only one. She's 13. Like, I, I feel like I, I've heard one of my kids say to the, to another, something about, you need to do such and such and such, or, and like, you feel like you hear that your little mm. parenting voice coming out of their mouth. I'm not thinking of an example, but it's like, mm, you no, know, I did. You know what? Let us say that. Cause you're not the parent. Right. Exactly. I did when they were like, do you know when they were like toddlers or like preschoolers and they were just sure. learning to talk and they would like mimic you and you were like yeah that's that's i remember that happening but they yeah. weren't they weren't saying things like i'm turning into you you know they were too little yeah 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 yeah. but like well i think when joy hit like 12 or 13 that sort of like sarcastic dark humor side of me <laughs> like that really started to come out i'm loving it i am i like, do too it was like my like, favorite yes. time <laughs> <laughs> bring it jennifer was not a fan <laughs> yeah like maggie will completely i mean derek and i are both hugely sarcastic like so when she turns that on i am like she's like she'll she'll do that she'll do that a lot nice <laughs> I, that's my favorite it's but one one of the things that that i had to follow that up with is two things know your audience and timing is everything there sometimes when it's okay to say those things and it'll depend on who's standing in front of you and that you learn over time. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's the true gift, but just don't think because the, the punchlines there that you got to go in for it. And, <laughs> and that's the thing, even to this day, you know, I get myself in trouble. I get myself in trouble with, yeah. but, but I'm like, if the joke's there, right. You just, you just got it. Otherwise it's a waste of a setup. <laughs> I, I, ugh. It depends on who's in front of you. <laughs> exactly. Know your audience and time it. <laughs> um, so how much of our behavior and personality is inherited nature and how much is learned um, nurture? And then maybe that we'll do that quickly and I'll jump to three because they're, they're related. Right. So do you have a, do you have a strong opinion? Anybody? Uh, the, the more I see, the less, I give any credence to the nature part. Mm. Interesting. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I, I think a lot is uh, sort of embedded in us uh, biologically, and the nurture part is is not as important as we think it is. So I will say, first off, I have absolutely no idea. And, you know, as long as this question has been around, it's been one of those, like, how would you ever know? It's like, is comedy inherited? Like, who knows, you know, but um, I, it's very obvious with Derek and Thomas, um, our oldest son, like <laughs> talk about peas in a pod. And I mean, like 
mannerisms and um, just it's not well not so much manners but isn't it all learned behavior I was just, is that learned or is it so because they are genetically related mannerisms yes but like thomas has this like drive of like so he was back when he was playing sports because you know before covid he would like have a big game and he would go super quiet and go really inward and and he would have no idea that like that's what derek does when he's competitive you know like so it's just kind of stuff, it's stuff like that, that those little things that you kind of witness and you're like, man, that is so, you know, your dad right now. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. But I yeah, that number. could go either way, it feels like. So, so right. But so that nurture part is, so when I read nurture, I think less about the fact that uh, the parents taught the kid or the kid copied the parents, but also the 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 kid figuring that figuring it out for themselves so in in the case of your son he's figured out that before a game it works best for me to get quiet and get in that zone some other kid mm -hmm. might might figure out because because you know not all if parents with like four kids and they're all athletes are all kids are all of them going to go in that zone place or or not right so I think I think part of this is self-learning and part of this is learning from your parents. Um, I don't I don't know. I yeah, I mean, I feel like in that instance, I, I don't think you're conscious of what you're doing. I think you are it's it's almost like this this ingrained uh, personality trait so that when this certain moment comes and you just like by default you can't even help that and it's not something you learn by observation or were taught explicitly it's just that's how your body reacts because of who you are i don't know i'm spitballing we, yeah none of us know none of us know so let me let me um let me say let me read the third and then, sorry, I just got a text that there are vaccines available. So sorry, got distracted. Bumblebee. Um, <laughs> how much effect do parents have on their children? Steven Pinkner notes, siblings reared together end up more similar than siblings separated at birth. No more Adop similar. No more similar. Sorry. Um, adopted siblings are no more similar than strangers. And the similarities between siblings can be completely accounted for by their shared genes. All those differences among parents and homes have no predictable long-term effects on the personalities of their children. Not to put too fine a point on it, but much of the advice from parenting experts is flapdoodle. Flapdoodle. Joe title. <laughs> if you are a parent, is this a relief or a disappointment? Also, WTF is flapdoodle. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of joke, but I'm kind of serious. I always say to folks who look at, look at joy and say, you know, she's amazing. She's wonderful. What a great job of parenting you did. And I was, and I say to them, yes. And at some point in her mid to late twenties, she's still going to end up on a therapist couch, blaming me for something that's going yeah. wrong in her life. Yep. So, of course. so I don't, I, 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 I fully expect that and I'm fine right. with it. So, so I think that in the earliest years, when, you know, the, the brains are blank slate, the children are sponges and they're picking up everything, those, those toddler infant years, I believe that, that yes, that's 
when we have the greatest impact. I think from the time kids learn to think and start learning how to think abstractly and start learning how to speak out of our hands, it's all, it's all over then. Hmm. So I'm yeah, kind of, I mean, I'm kind of relieved. It kind of takes me off the hook. Cause I'm like, I can, I can only claim certain amount of responsibility for how this kid turns out. <laughs> right. I'm, so. I'm wondering, so I grew up with step siblings, right. And I'm, I'm actually trying to decipher personality and behavior wise versus, you know, um, so first off, I think parents have a huge effect on their children. Let's just not lie about that at all. So he's um, lying. So Steven Pinker is full of flapdoodle. I think he is full of flapdoodle. Very good. Um, I do. And now whether this to me, like whether or not it's nature or nurture, right? Like, so parents have a huge effect on genetics, right? My my sister and I have both done um, 23andMe and uh, Derek and his half-sister have done it. And so they you're able to see your siblings with permission. You're able to see your siblings like right. whatever. And you only share like 50% of your genetics, which is super fascinating to me. And that's a whole nother discussion or whatever. Um, and you can literally see where my, like on the topics where my sister and I differ mm. are exactly our appearance differences and our person, you know, some of our, you know, whatever. It explains a lot. Let me put it that way. Um, but you know, quite frankly, as somebody who grew up without a foundation of the basic loving home, parent protection, safety, you know, stuff, like you live, you live the rest of your life trying to build a house on a cracked foundation, right? Like that effect is massive. And that effect of that effect of like your parents, your their parenting, the parenting you received, the parenting you receive. Okay, absolutely right. So the home, and and how you it affects your personality. I mean, Ogan and I both huge into the enneagram. Like your enneagram forms out of how you respond to the people around you, which are your parents and your siblings, and what your household literally your household was like kind of determines what your Enneagram is. What if you still don't know what your Enneagram was? Well, you were raised by wolves? Yes, clearly. That, that means you haven't taken the correct test. By the way, Flapdoodle, I looked it up. Oh, oh God. Nonsense. So, synonym, so say that. Synonym, yeah, <laughs> synonym for Flapdoodle, or our current president's favorite word, malarkey. Ah, synonym to flapdoodle. Garbage. Hogwarts. I do like malarkey. malarkey. I do. Malarkey. Like, I do like malarkey. I just love it when Joe Biden says it. I was going to say, malarkey. I like it when Joe says I it. I like it when Joe says it. Like, malarkey sounds like a word that you, you're trying not to cuss, you know? Yes. Uh, it sounds like a grandparent word. Exa exactly. Yeah. It's whippersnapper word, you know? Um, so I think what, what um, Pinker is using a few examples, uh, these are... This is a quote from his book, The Blank Slate. And he says, consider the identical twins separated at birth. So they were genetically, you know, identical, identical. twins, but raised in totally different households. Mm -hmm. But they both grew up to be captains of their volunteer fire departments. Right. right. Or he gives a couple of other anecdotes when um, a researcher was picking them up at the airport separately. They both told him that a wheel bearing in his car needed to be replaced. Um so, you know, little things like idiosyncrasies that, you know, totally different 
environment, the nurture was different, but the nature was so unchangeable that they still sort of found themselves on a parallel path. And he gives a lot more examples than that. So that, well, that's a little bit of the background to where he's coming from. Yeah. And it's the examples of people who are adopted that go and be great musicians come to find out they come from great musicians, right? Like mm -hmm. there's just something kind of in them. I, and yeah, here's so how do you explain, how do you explain so, the kids that come from great musicians and can't hold a note? <laughs> because, well, and here's that actually, too. Sidney Poitier talked about this. This is so weird. Sidney Poitier talked about this in his autobiography, who I, I can't remember the name of, but anyway, it's really easy to find. Um, also listen to it like audibly because he reads it. Fantastic. Um, but anyway, he talks about this and he talks about, he comes from, you know, this island in the Caribbean and he, he is this thespian full of people who run restaurants, right? Like this is every generation he knows. And he talks about the, the science is our cells, our DNA actually hold memory, right? This Agreed. is, this is real that our cells hold memory. And one of the things he says is, isn't it beautiful that somewhere in my, like, he's like, there was this need to do this. There was this thing in me. Hmm. And he, and he kind of explains it in his own words to say somewhere in my line, there was somebody who did this and, and that just stayed dormant until it came alive in me. And whether that was, and I just, whether that was like, he was fostered by the environment. Cause he was saying like everybody around him thought he was crazy. So it wasn't the encouragement yeah. of his family, you know, that got him there. And the, and the opposite is always true as I, as I, uh, you know, go against my own earlier as assertion um trauma also passed down passes yes. down yeah genetically um yep. as well uh sydney potty uh biography measure of a man by the measure way of just, man. i read it years ago and i can remember either. oh my god it's so good so good i mean i read it years and years ago too but like there so there are stories i still remember yeah mm -hmm. um, so so i think i i again i think i think genetics can play a part but ultimately, you know, we 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 have the free will. We have the ability to go like I'm just I'm going to choose my path. I'm going to choose how my life yep. works out and show up. So and again, like we talked about last week, we're going to choose how we respond to this. Right, and a know? lot of that ability to choose and how we choose is a result of what yep. was modeled for us. And then if we didn't like what was modeled, what we go to learn for ourselves. So I think down the, as we get older and mature and get clearer about who we want to be in this world and how we want our life to be, I think that's when more the making conscious choices really kicks in. For those of us who are mindful and aware of the fact that we can choose versus those of us who just keep getting hijacked by those mm. embedded things and the implicit biases that we have and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I remember in terms of the, like, as a parent, is this a relief or a disappointment? I, I remember when the kids started to get old enough to have memory, right? So like three, four, mm -hmm. I, I became, suddenly became very aware that like, they might remember this. <laughs> And it felt like pressure for like a year or two. <laughs> like, uh, let me start censoring myself. Or well, so it was on. like, oh my God, what if this is their first memory? You know, like there was this <laughs> just like this That's so panic. much pressure to feel. It was so much pressure to feel. <sighs> and then I let it go. And, and you know, a, a friend, um, a friend once said to me, who's a therapist, uh, he's now a therapist. He was a pastor at the time. 
And he, he said, listen, I need to tell you that like you cook your family a homemade dinner basically every night. And every once in a while you feed them macaroni and cheese from a box and hot dogs. And he said, you know, and so what if they have a fond memory of macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, even though you cooked all those home cooked meals. And so what if they never remember you that one time you fed a macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, like that's all, it's all fine. All of it's fine. And I was like, okay, yeah. So for me, it's more about uh, setting a compass and going in that direction. And you're going to, if I'm cooking a shit ton of home cooked meals and all they remember is the mac cheese and hot dogs, then all, I must, I must, I must well just have been serving them the mac cheese and hot dogs. No, the question Save is, myself some time and energy. Do they remember it fondly? <laughs> fondly. That's the question. Uh, <laughs> so what you're saying, Shannon, is the goal really is just keep them alive. Exactly. Um, Keep them alive. It's, it's Less is keep more. them alive. It's give them some sense of themselves. Yeah. It's um, give them a loving environment. Giving them well, and Derek and I say this all the time. We just want our kids to be good people. Yeah. yeah. Like we want space, them to be kind human beings. Space, but guardrails. At the yeah. Same. And go. we want them. I mean, I absolutely. I I teach my kids from very young good boundaries and blah blah blah. But like, as to the moments that I, here's what I want my kids to remember. Like what what they what i hope they remember is they see a mom that yeah yelled every once in a while and then said you know what my bad i'm having a rough one you know yeah. like that's the that's what i want one one of joy's uh most vivid like earlier memories like i'm talking like five six something like that she and i were watching it's a wonderful life and you know it's just just me and her and for some reason in that moment that she and I are watching it, like, I really, I really get, I really get what the meaning of the movie is about. And, and, and I look over at her and I am just overwhelmed with this like ridiculous amount of love and affection for her. And I start crying and I'm holding her and I'm squeezing her and she's like, dad, I can't breathe. You're hurting me. And I'm just like bawling. She has not forgotten that to this day. She keeps reminding me every, like every Christmas, like clockwork. Hey, remember the time we were watching this and you squeezed me so hard till I couldn't breathe. Yep. Like, that's and know. she will forever and ever have a fond memory of that movie you know in that way or so speaking, a tangentially like traumatic because <laughs> i literally was causing her pain but yes i know i know what you mean yes. yeah so there was like um eight or nine years straight or something like that maybe there's a break in there where i made this end of year like family movie for our kids and for uh, my in-laws kids. So the cousins of my kids. So they have these movies that they can go back and watch of themselves. And I just wonder about that. Like, I don't have any video of me as a kid or any, you know, that just wasn't a thing that my parents did. Plus the technology made it harder. Right. But now yeah. kids can grow up with like, not just the memory that's somewhere way back in their brain, but mm. the actual video of it and i wonder how that impacts memory and nostalgia and how we remember our growing up so maggie uh i got my first iphone when she was like two right so i have video of her from then on and all of gus's life and thomas and sophia yeah. you know and she will uh she will tell stories that i'm like you were six months old there's no way you remember that right but 
and and even before we got iPhones, we camcorded everything. You know, that was yeah. just you know. Um, but she tells it like she was. The, it, she remembers it like it's a memory. Right. Um, but I, I mean, listen, if it's anything like me, I go back on Facebook memories. So I joined Facebook like 12 years ago. Yeah, me maybe too. more, almost 13 years ago, or no, maybe it's 13 years ago. Yeah, Aggie, 2008. Yeah. So I joined it then and I look back and I'm like, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> you know, like, no, same. I'm like, I don't, what was I talking about? Like what I went where, you know, like I'm just like, and then some of it, some of it, you look at like a snow day or something. And I'm like, I remember that moment. Exactly. Like yeah. I, I, you know, um, there's this one picture of, I was home by myself. Gus was maybe six months old and Maggie really wanted to go play in the snow. So she's three and or three and a half. And so I bundle her up in all of her stuff. We're in New York. I send like a, go outside with her i bundle gus up in this huge snowsuit and put him in this in this mo he must have been younger because he wouldn't have he would have gotten out but i put him in this moses basket like and i'm like running between the two of them in these like three feet of snow and like whatever and that every year that memory comes up and every year like i i have that memory so vivid so i don't know i don't know what they'll do you know right i recently uh and I don't remember if I told you guys here or somewhere else because my entire my entire timeline of life since last year is blurred into one blob. I so know. forgive me if I've said this already, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I recently had a share of a massively large video file with someone and I was like, all right, I'm just going to upload it to my, you know, rarely used YouTube channel and keep it private and share it from there. <clears throat> so I upload the thing and all of a sudden I realized that there's a whole bunch of videos up mm -hmm. there that are not public. Yeah. <laughs> right. That are archived. That you uploaded. That yeah. I uploaded one of them being one of Joy's first dance performances. Like oh. this kid is like, I don't know, five years old maybe or something. Awesome. And, and I hit play and three seconds in, I'm, I'm like a sopping tear <laughs> mess, right? Yes. I'm just like crying and bawling. And then at the end of the video, and I totally forgotten this had happened until I saw the video to your point, Brian. Um, there, the the whole like line of dancers is supposed to do like this domino effect move, starting with the girl at the one end, and they gotta time it with the music. And she misses the cue, and Joy from this end of the line leans over and starts like like telling her what to do right in the middle of the performance. And I was like, yeah, that's on brand for her. That's like she's always been that assertive person to the point where sometimes her assertive, she's learned how to temper her right. assertiveness and learn when's the right time to bring it forward and when's the right time to bring it back. But, but that's, that's her mother, like to a T. So she, so whether it's the nature, whether right. that was passed on genetically or it was modeled for her, she picked that up from, she doesn't get the assertiveness from me because that's, mm. that's not my deal. Right. I'm Mr. Conflict avoidant, but but it's one of nine, man, type nine. So what can I say? Yeah. But it's it's one of those, it was one of those beautiful things that I was so glad I found it. Didn't even remember that I had this recording. Didn't mm -hmm. even remember the event until if somebody had asked me about it when it was Joy's first performance, I might have 
pulled it back up, but yeah, it was a beautiful thing to watch. I sent it to her. She had a good laugh over it as well. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I am glad we live in an era where we can make these yeah. recordings and have this archive, whether people do anything with it or not. Now where it gets creepy. I don't know if you guys just heard this, but was it, was it Google or Facebook? Who who had this thing about you could you could send in the recordings of your deceased relative and they could oh, use an yes. AI to 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 create basically a, a, a live conversing model of that person in their voice and you could kind of like talk to them and I was like mm, there's a, a great much. Black Mirror episode on Netflix I, right I remember that, that one there's a, there's I say a, that a like I say much. that and I'm like oh my god absolutely not but like I'm like. God, if something traumatic happened to Derek and just to be able to have one more conversation with him, you know, like, like well, I can, well, I can totally see how that would, you would get here's, into that. Well, here's the problem. It may start with you thinking it's just going to be one conversation, right? I know, and but that's the problem. Six months oh, exactly. later, exactly. a year later. Like there's a reason why we don't do this. Right. All right. So uh, in order to, we're switching directions, but I, I, I think this is a good one um, because it was my question. Uh, <laughs> because I just emailed Brian and was like, we need to do this. Um, what is the difference between criticizing and bullying? How do you respond to someone who is punching down? And why is it important to understand the social power dynamics in play in any given interaction? And so we often say to Brian, why did you ask this question? So I want to give a little context about what was going on in my world <laughs> when I Great. said I want to talk about this. So one, we spent... Uh, the entire weekend, and I am saying that very honestly, the entire weekend, weekend watching Schitt's Creek. And we had watched see, like a, a, a season and a half like a while ago. And we didn't love it. And every, you know, right since pandemic's hit, it's like everybody's watching Schitt's Creek and blah, blah, blah. And we, I, I said, let's turn it back on. Like we've watched everything else. Like, let's turn it back on. Let's see. Everybody says it gets better. You know, let's see if it gets better. So we turn it back on. And then after we were in season four or something, and I I said to him, I said, what do you think? Because it did get better. But what do you think happened? Mm. And he goes, they stopped punching down. They stopped only making fun of the town. Right. And that's when they all got jobs and they all blah, blah, blah. You know, they, yeah. they started to like, mm. and, and it was still, it was funny and it was still the premise of the show. And that, then I started putting all these articles together, uh, all these political articles. Right. So mm. um, there were all the articles that hit last week about, um, I forget her last name, Green, what, whatever her Marjorie name. Taylor, Marjorie Taylor, Marjorie Taylor Green. Um, making those comments about someone's kid who happened to be trans, you know, it was making, her, uh, it was the, uh, another Congresswoman, Democratic another Congresswoman who, who worked across the hall from her, who, by um, the way, like our children should be off limits here. Right. Like, right. But they just opinion. passed the, the but equality, also the Act. equality act, right. They just passed, so they passed it, the equality act, you know, yep. and then she put the, and then they, so the, the woman hung a, a trans flag in front of office yeah. and then Mark Taylor Green put a sign on the bathroom door. It was just, right. it was the whole thing. So there's that thing. And then, um, and then at the, at the CPAC, then there's this national anthem video going around of this young woman, quite frankly, very badly singing the national anthem. But, you know, 
Twitter exploded, right? And and it's it's making it's bad making fun, you know, like it's not yeah. and and Ogan and I had a whole text conversation about it, but then the other side of all of this for me is like then that whole thing in Texas where Ted Cruz then went to Cancun and then lied about coming back and then all the text got out and then he was yeah. like blaming, blaming his kids. it on his kids. They're going to remember that one. Literally <laughs> under the bus. Literally <laughs> under the bus. And so it just got me thinking like as much. So there were bunches of memes going around to Ted Cruz, which I personally thought were hilarious and whatever. But it just got me thinking about the difference between someone who is in the public eye, in public office, and a criticism versus a congresswoman's child, uh, a girl who, yes, said yes to singing the national anthem, but like is a young woman. And it, this is going to, this is going to follow her. Like we should, and it just, I don't know, all of that led me to this point of like, shouldn't we just stop, you know? So that's. And do you think, and do you think people aren't aware of the dynamics and right. It can be easily, you know, suddenly you're, let's say you're this freshman member of Congress and you're not used to being in that position. And now you feel like, Hey, I've got this voice and this platform. So I'm going to say things that are important to me. But meanwhile, you are punching down because you do have that voice and that platform and the person you are criticizing or critiquing doesn't, right. uh, and not to mention that you're criticizing them for something, a category of people which do not have that power in our society. So it's almost like a double punching down. But there's, how do you raise the awareness of the person doing that action? Yeah, because to me, it's not like they asked, they put a trans flag on her door, you know, right? right. Like this is your door that you get to do your stuff with, you know. So part of me wonders is, and, 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 this came up as I was watching uh, the FBI director, uh, Ray, testify for Congress today. Yeah. And, he, and, and the question came up about uh, agent hate crimes. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, a lot of times hate crimes are underreported. So he's not, they're not clear yet if it really is an increase in hate crimes or just an increase in reporting or both, right? right. So what comes up for me in this is there's two things in the last decade or even a little bit more than the last decade that has really um, amplified this. One, social media has given everybody a platform to say whatever the hell's on their mind. Right. And two, we also had a president who normalized and modeled bullying yep. and insulting people and stuff like that. So the question is, is this becoming more of a problem or is it now that because we have the platforms and permission, we are now seeing and hearing what's always been there? Because, you know, 30 years ago, if this young woman had sang the national anthem at this event and done it as badly as she did, right? They may have been, they may have been a clip on the local news, but right. nobody's on YouTube watching it 50 billion times and sharing it and, and insulting Well, and her. quite frankly, it might've been right. the opening clip where we, she was fine and on key right. in her local town and then they stopped it, you right. know? Or like, or they may have been an effort to go like, okay, that was horrible. We can't show that. So so exactly. that, video's not get, that video's not getting out. So part of me is really wondering then, um, are uh, you know we we as as broken not broken we are uh, like humans who who just you know we get whatever 
we are messy people. Are, are, is it a case where our messiness is just becoming on public display and we feel the bravery to do that because we can safely and anonymously in some cases do it on social media and not face the consequences for the damage that we're doing in doing that. And, and to your point, criticizing versus bullying, yes, from, a, from an objective music perspective, that was a horrible, like, she, you know, but, but wheel it back. She should not have been there in the first, somebody didn't do their job right. that allowed her to get on stage and, and sing the way that she did. She did not deserve all the, all the, the horrible insults that, that, that came as a result of it. Right. Well, and that's right. my comment about her and the child, you know, right. Of the other congressperson, like, these are young adults who are struggling on their own in the world. This is not, again, this is not criticism, like criticism of her changing keys and something like I've it, that's just not our place as a, you know, whatever uh, what I'm watching and I'm watching kind what, what, you know, I'm watching ministers repost this going, Ha ha, like, oh my God, this is so blah, 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 blah. Maybe they're not criticizing her specifically, but I'm also going, I'm hearing this voice of like, if this wasn't at CPAC, would you be reposting right. this? I, I think that's part of it too. And, and yeah. my immediate thought too, and then Brian, I'll totally let you talk because I know you're wanting to. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> Dude, you just got to jump in, man. You just got to jump in. But my immediate thought was, there's criticism there about her changing keys and being pitchy and blah, blah, blah. But what you're, you're doing is not criticizing and you're bullying because of where she was because of where she did it. Right. For sure. For sure. And you made this point in our, as you messaged me about this question, there are a lot of people and a lot of things about that whole conference that can be legitimately criticized and people who are in power and need and need to know better and need to be called out and criticized <laughs> like the shape Entirely of the stage different than criticizing this young girl who's singing yes. a song that make in the end makes no difference in the world whereas people who are making policy decisions that impact real human lives deserve to be called out and criticized yes um and then my second point um to the modeling we've been watching the recent season of american idol and you know when that show first started simon cowell as one of the judges oh. made a you know made his name in really being nasty and overcritical and like judgy in a way that like crushed people who were putting themselves out in a vulnerable position in the current incarnation of the show with Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, and Luke Bryant, they're like the opposite. They're like right, so right. kind and empathetic. And when they say no to someone, you can tell it like kills it them and it them. breaks their yeah. hearts. And it's, and I find it a much more enjoyable show because I feel like it's, it's just a better display of human kindness and empathy. Yeah. Well, part yeah. of that is also cultural, because because British. I was gonna folk, say in Britain it went over well. I'm I'm watching. I'm I'm still binging Great British Bacon Show, right? Fair and, enough. And, I, and I got I got Derek to start watching it last night. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching the judges give feedback, and I'm like, oh my god! Like how? Like they didn't pull any punches. They could be nasty, right? But oh, yeah. at the same time, 
when you really like see the people and how they interact with with the contestants and so on, they're right. like the sweetest, nicest people. It's it's there's there's a certain um, and they I don't... remember I remember and last thing about this I remember uh, when you know Jennifer first visited me in Bar uh, came to Barbados with me. And my family in Barbados met her like in person for the first time. And Jennifer is she was never a, like a petite person, right? And and my mother, bless her heart, oh god, love said, said, said to me, within earshot of Jennifer, you found yourself a you found yourself a um, a white girlfriend with a black figure. And Jennifer was like, did she just call me fat? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, no, that's no. not what she was saying. You may have a uh, a, a hip section to you. you. <laughs> she was trying to say that you were not like a waif-like, uh -huh. stick thin, anorexic looking, you know. I can see definitely sort of how deal. your mom in Barbados saw white the, women as right. stick figures, the right? The choice like, of words was really unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> and like so much of the trip I'm doing translation, right? <laughs> but but that's what I'm saying. It's, you know, and I've had to, and, and over the year that I coach my mom, I'm like, okay, so when you say this, right. <laughs> this is how the American ears hear it. <laughs> yeah. So we got to work on your phrasing. <laughs> So, so there's a, there's a piece of it to that, but, but, but yes, there, 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 there is that, there is that idea of we, we all have to be mindful of the words that we use. And I'm, and I'm guilty of it as well. When I say things that I don't think are particularly harmful, or there's absolutely no intention to harm, right? but I use words that because of the context of the listener and whatever they're going through have been through it's 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 like a it's like a knife stab yeah right and and then i'm like wait what what did i say and right. i don't know if you've experienced this as, as ministers but i know i've driven people away from the church because of things i've said that i thought were just innocuous and it turns out this is this is the thing right again my angelo said was it the won't remember what you say, but I'll remember how you made how me you feel. How you made me feel, yeah. Right, and in those moments, what I said was, I believe we're neutral, but they felt attacked. They felt, they felt diminished. They they may have felt I was punching down in that moment when I wasn't. Right. So then the other question is, what's the responsibility, the shared responsibility between between uh, wise listening right. and and wise speaking? Right. Where, where does, but, where's that line meet? But that also speaks to this social power dynamic, right? Where now right. that doesn't mean as ministers or as public figures or as even politicians that we don't misspeak and we shouldn't be given the opportunity to correct ourselves. Right. right. That's that's not what I'm saying. What what I do, what I did have to understand and what I still try to understand is that there is a power dynamic in this this is irregardless of age or sex or, you know, whatever, like there is a power dynamic. I have a literal pulpit. I have a, yeah. like, I have a voice that not all people, especially in the church or even let's, let's go politically. We don't always understand our own, the power yeah. of our, our individual voice. Our, our words fair. carry so much weight, more yeah. weight. So yeah. they don't think more that position. what they just said to me hurt me. 
because they're just a member of the pew, right? right? They're just somebody in the pew. I don't have any power. I'm not on, I'm not on the leadership. I'm not blah, blah, blah. What I say doesn't matter. Well, it hurt me too. Right. So we all have to take on, I think, you know, I had this moment in, in seminary. This is just one of those moments that stuck with me. Um, we, I went to a seminary where there was a marriage and family therapy program as well. And they had to, the marriage and family therapist had to take things like Old Testament and, you know, some basic uh, kind of seminary classes. And um, she would, she lived next door to me in our dorm or whatever it was. We had little studio apartments. Um, she lived next door to me and uh, her name was Erin. And she was yawning one day in Old Testament class. And it was like two or three times, you know, and it was just one of those. I mean, it was like a two o'clock in the afternoon nap. And it was the old Testament after all. It was the old (laughs) Testament class. And, but our professor at some point said, if you need to go take a nap, there's the door, you know, kind of thing. And, and she came to me after class and she was like, what did I do? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, she wasn't just yawning, right? She was yawning out loud. Yeah. With that sort of, Yes. Yes. Right. You know what I'm saying, yeah. right? She was, she was. Oh, the like, yawn. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like exhale. that kind of thing. And I said to her, I said, I think what happened was, is that you forgot for a moment, the, the, the power of your presence, right? That you actually had a presence in that room that even though you were a student and you were not having a role in that moment that you had a presence there. Yeah. But that professor clearly took it personally. She was that way. Yeah. But (laughs) he also took it personally. Like, like, no, the professor was she, the professor was that way. Right. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the the professor (laughs) was the one going like, like, like if, if there's a student yawning in my class, they interpreted it as like, am I boring you? Like you, like, no. And, and, and she didn't like, Yana didn't say, am I boring you? She said, you can go. <laughs> like, if, you, no, if I'm I, boring, you know, whatever. No, I, I I understand that, which comes back again to that question of how do we receive what's being said and right. what's being demonstrated? We, we, we have a little, we have to take responsibility and account. That doesn't mean everything said is okay, but right. we have to accept a little bit of responsibility also for how we respond to what comes our way. It's a both and. For sure. Yeah. And you might be reading the yawn. Let's just run with this without right. beating it to a, to death. Um, <laughs> you might interpret the yawn as boredom or does this person think they're above or they're, I'm saying something so obvious and they're bored with it and they're, right. you know, letting the rest of the class. Or she doesn't that. want to be here. Or, or doesn't want, yeah, yeah. doesn't want to have yeah. somewhere better to be. Yeah. Or my own self doubts about myself as a teacher just got triggered because some kids yes. yawning in my class. <laughs> well, right, right. Of course. Right. 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 Of course. And that's the, that actually gets back to the thing of like, as a singer, you know, when you've done something awful, like, you know, even oh. as it's happening. Some okay. don't though. That's the problem. Maybe some don't. That's, All right. that's how they lean get, into it. That that's how fair. the awful people get there that in the first fair. place. They don't know. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. I will say that. Um, but so, I, I don't okay. know. I have, things have happened. I have said something. I have whatever. Where it's just one of those moments where you're just like, please don't. I, I know. Like, I, I know. You so know, one of the like, things about leading worship live on Facebook is you can literally see the numbers go up and down during the service of who's That's watching. That's why I don't do it. That's and exactly I really why I don't to, do it. Like, 
And, that and you're like, number, what did I say? That number is right next to the camera. And I try to always be looking Ugh. into the camera, but I can see the number is right I there. Know. So I have to just like, let that slide. Like I cannot yeah. let that. Don't watch the numbers. Don't read the comments. <laughs> I, well, I read is... the comments because people share like things that I incorporate, but. Oh my goodness. Like this is exact. That is exactly why I pre-record. I'm not joking. I say it's because our people, like not a lot of people get on zoom. It mm-hmm. is 100%. I, my ego can't take that. Like really? I am way too fragile. <laughs> no. Well, I, I'll be honest. I, I pre-record cause it's, it's just so much more relaxing oh, and, it's and so easy. Much easier. It is not oh, as God, stressful. Like the, my, my level of anxiety for I'm live streaming, what could possibly go wrong? Technically, you know, somebody's internet that goes out, day, power goes out. Like, do you remember that one day that Zoom was down on Sunday morning? Yes. And I was like, yes. this is why we pre-record. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> my, everybody's freaking out about pre-recording. I, I was justified in that moment. So I, I was, I was, I was, I was good so much my more work to pre-record. Actually, no, it's not. No, it's, it's not. Way more work. No, dude, we have it's it. Down. When thing. I pre-record, we have it's it. It's a lot thing. more work. No, because you're you're a bit of a perfectionist. You got to like. I'm a, yes, and I'm bringing in all this like stock video to make it cool. Oh, like, see, that's the problem. I'm, I'm working too hard. I'm like making it a production <laughs> when I pre-record. What is more, the man. difference between what you do on Sunday morning and recording what you do on Sunday morning ahead of time and putting it out in a video? Because like, like recording well, on Zoom. Click so, a link because because then I need Christy or musicians to record ahead and of time. And you don't have a time during I've, the week to do that. I've got to edit it all. Like it's, you don't have to edit you anything. Don't have to it edit more work. One shot. No, no. It's see, not edited. See, here's. I here's, mean, mine is, but you know that's let me, Derek. There you go. <laughs> let me answer that question, Brian, for you. I think it's because you have this idea that if I am pre-recording it, it needs to be better and a certain quality. Yeah. Than if I do it live, it needs to be a produced and video. The, and yes, when you let when you bother to pre-record it's got to no, be no. way better no 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 you need to lower those standards my <laughs> all the way down buddy like it is sunday morning it you is gotta the punch thing. those down punch yeah. those down <laughs> it is the same thing you're doing on sunday morning only just in a video form if i i messed up go. i recorded communion today and i messed up and i was like oh yeah. well we don't i we have don't. one of the times i pre-recorded like something happened during my sermon or reading of the scripture, like there was a really loud noise and like I stopped and I was like, oh, I'll just edit that out later. And I totally forgot. And then I'm watching and I'm like, oh, oh, oh well. Oh, and, listen. And, and people people prefer the 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 natural but, yes. Yep. And you know, that's why my people want it live because anything yeah. no. can happen. And that's no, more exciting for tuning they in. They literally said to me like, no, I love it when that happens because it makes me actually feel like I'm in church. Exactly. So I didn't. Exactly. I don't do a take two. Yes, but like, if it's pre-recorded, like everything can't have gone wrong or you wouldn't put it out there. Whereas when I'm live, it can all go wrong. And oh, no. Well, trust everything me, doesn't stuff, go wrong. Stuff can go wrong when you're pre-recorded. <laughs> trust say, me. Fair enough. But you know what I mean? There's a window like. Anyway, I'm we'll just leave saying, it I'm is... really, I'm really enjoying, I'm, I, the criticism is quite low, <laughs> even if you're doing pre-recorded worship. Right and I now. think part of it is people are just happy they can still They're have something. They're just happy to have something. <laughs> right? For sure. They're they are not, so happy. They're, no sure. one's holding you to the standard that you're holding yourself to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yes. very lucky. Like I am, like, I, I do have some friends that are getting bullied into some things right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially as we hit this close to a year mark and yep. whatever, um, 
but I, I mean, we are hitting, somebody said it and I realized it, you know, we're still two weeks away from when everything shut down here in Maryland, but we're, this Sunday is, or Monday technically or whatever, the year anniversary of when we, the last time we met in worship, you know, in person. Somebody, somebody posted March, 2020 is finally about to wrap up. (laughs) Like, you're like wrapping i don't think it's wrapping up i think you know somebody took oh my god just for a minute somebody took this week's wandavision that great beautiful quote of what is grief except love persevering and it said what is march 2021 if not march 2020 persevering and i was like that is fantastic oh my goodness well, I think we've totally derailed this train. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I think I'm my sorry. work here is done. That's Brian got carried away. No, I don't care. No. Less well, is more, I, Brian. Less is I more. actually think this conversation could go into cancel culture, which is a whole mm. other conversation. Oh, oh, let's talk about that next week. But I'm let's talk about that in. But I actually think we should continue talking about this because I think this this is the important conversation. You yeah, know, no. I really do right now. For sure. In, indeed. We'll talk about cancel culture and we'll talk about Dr. Seuss because that old you know, racist Dr. Seuss discussion is making the rounds again. We're <laughs> yeah. in that head. Sure. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. <laughs> Get access to extended interviews with special guests. You can listen to our pre and post-show banter. You don't want to miss that. Visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts. And if you'd like to watch us live, yes, not pre-recorded, but live, you can do that. 445 on Facebook, 445 Eastern. And if you'd like to find or start a pub theology conversation uh, in your town, find info at pubtheology.com. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Like I'm like how much how much editing happens between the live and the recorded None. version that goes up? None. What some of my so before before all the COVID stuff, um, I know some people who when they live stream they've been live streaming their service for years, and what they do is like before the actual in building service starts, they'll get on the camera and just speak specifically to the live streamers, mm-hmm. right? And have a have a connection moment with them and then do the service but then when the service starts they're catering to the people sitting in front of them i think i think this is a great opportunity to actually take some lessons i never thought i'd say this out loud but from televangelists right i knew it for for decades have been clear that they're catering to both a tv and a live audience but Mm -hmm. their bread and butter is the is the people watching on tv we're maybe the opposite right right so that's that's right yeah that's what i was about to say online cater, audience that cater to your bigger audience yeah. but but keep in mind that you have folks who who are now connected to you thanks to the pandemic who you don't right. want to lose